Love is probably one of the most discussed subjects of any in Scripture. And yet it's probably the least understood fully and totally. Most people imagine love as something that you, you uh, do when you want to express to somebody how much you care about them. Yet sometimes love is something that's done when someone least expects it. When they're going through a trial or frustration or anxiety. God loved us when we were the most unlovable things that ever lived. He looked on us and, and cared. In the midst of our pushing Him away, He did that. He continued to love us. Now love is the theme of this week of Advent. But this is only the love that comes from God. God is love. Totally and absolutely and purely. God expressed His love in the fact that long before we were created, in His infinite knowledge, He knew that we would sin and we would fall, we would reject Him and walk away. Yet He made a plan of escape for us. He loved us so much. We can't understand a love like that. Jesus is God's greatest expression of love to us. The fact that He came and He gave and He still loves us. In this broken world with all of its problems, with all these people that promise us everything, and give us nothing, the only thing we can really depend on is the love of God. If God is love, and if Jesus is the exact rep representation of God's love to us, then we can safely say that Jesus is love. And Jesus is God. The Gospel of John begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. What that tells us is that love was not the creation of God because of the creation of us, but love was something that infinitely had always existed between the three Godheads. They had a perfect love. They needed nothing else whatsoever. Yet in the creation of mankind, they wanted to express their, their greatest level of love that could ever be expressed, and that love was expressed not in just having us and giving to us, but in redeeming us from our fallen nature and restoring us, an act that did not happen immediately, but will take the lifetime of a world to accomplish. The Bible says, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His Son, pure and sinless, to die. We forget about the love of God when we get centered upon ourselves. And truly, God does not become real to us and heaven does not become a place until someone that we've loved and lost has gone there. And we miss them. And we wonder what heaven is like. And then we understand that it is the fulfillment of God's desire for us to be with Him forever. Do you realize the time will come that this earth will no longer be as it is? 
our governments and buildings and all the things that seem so significant in this earth will be gone. And God will rule supremely and totally. And I don't know what that says about politics. I'm looking forward to a place where there is no politics, where there are no more lies, deceit, and hatred and bitterness will be gone. But God is purging that away. He's moving us in that direction. He's preparing us for something mighty and something great. Now, I want to ask two questions today, and this is what I want to think about. Number one, the first question is, how can I have the love of God? And how do I know that the love that I have is true and genuine? First of all, the we can have it through genuine concern. We need to clean our lives out so that we have no selfish motives in what we do. The Bible says, speaking about the early church, it says, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all the things which they possessed were their own. They had all things in common. Now, this is not saying they were socialist. Not at all. This doesn't talk about dividing evenly at all. Not at all. What it says is if somebody has a need, you meet the need. Everybody has different needs at different times. And what this is expressing is through genuine concern and love for the body of Christ, no one did without. No one. Note that the Bible says that, that they had all things in common but not in common. Any parent will tell you in a heartbeat that among their children, there's always some that are more needy than others. There's some that are more independent and, and don't want. There's some that would rather give than take. And because of that, we have to see the needs of those round about us. To be sensitive to somebody else's needs, and I'm not talking about your immediate family, I'm talking about the body of Christ. It takes a lot of love and work to do that. The bond was so much that God expects them to give and to sacrifice. There's a story of a couple, remember, in, in Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, and they were trying to, to give as other people gave, but when they sold a piece of land, it sold for much more than they expected. And, and they thought, well, I don't know if I want to give that much away. So they kept some of it. They weren't lying to, to the church. They wanted to get the attention and recognition for the sacrifice they made. But they were lying to the Holy Ghost, according to Simon Peter. And they both, as they entered the house of worship and brought their gift, which was little less than what they should have brought. They both were struck dead. Now I'll tell you, I don't want that to go on in church. <laughs> Never want anybody to die in church, but I'll tell you this. It made a point to the people there that God had brought them to such a place in worship that nothing would hinder the unity and the love of the body of Christ there. When Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep part of that price of that land? You see, when we love God, 
we don't have to keep an account of what he does for us. He will always take care of us. 1 John 3.17 says, But whoso hath the world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? We have to be a people that give freely because we have been given to freely from God. And it's because of those gifts that we are here. And it's through that genuine concern that we're changed. We must also love unconditionally if we want to know the love of God. According to the dictionary, unconditional love is known as affection without limitations or love without conditions. In 1 Corinthians 13, 7, and it says, The Bible says that love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Now, love has a lot of abilities there because sometimes you look at somebody that may love someone, they don't have all these. Well, the reason they don't is because they don't have the love of God. God loved the world and gave his only begotten son. He could give no better. 1 John 4.20 says one of the hallmarks of being born again is that unconditional love. That's, that's the individual that does not find a way uh, to give as other people do, but they give as God leads them to give in a mighty way. I've had people look and say, well, I'd like to do more, but... A lot of excuses follows that word but. A lot of people can find a reason to trust in themselves and not trust in God. I've had people tell me, well, well, preacher, you don't understand. I'm by myself. I don't have anyone I can go to for help. And apparently God is not in that list of people that can help them. I've never known anyone to give sacrificially, that God didn't bless them and care for them. But the third thing we need to realize in this, and this is so very important, we must love the unlovable if we want to have the love of God. Not everybody is lovable, and we are often not very lovable. The unlovables are those who, despite how many how much you try, you can never see anything. They can never see anything good in you. You can't win their love. These are the people who have been hurt. They've gone through an undignified situation. Or they're the ones who feel like they're owed something. Therefore, they see you as a person that owes them. Selma's a funny place. We have more people in Selma, percentage-wise, that stand in line for more stuff than any city I know of. There's more unemployment here. But the reality is, we are the obesity capital of Alabama. We are the dialysis capital of Alabama. Food is not a problem here. People are not starving to death. There's a spiritual problem. People are starving because there is no love. And it's a broken city. It's a city that's forgotten that God loves it. 
It's a city with a hundred churches, but very little spirituality and sacrifice. People see giving as coming in their direction, but not going from them. I was going in a store last Tuesday, and I looked in a car as I walked by the curb, and there's a very large man in that car beating an infant child. Beating an infant child. The child could not even get its breath to cry. It broke my heart. That is what you see in a city that's broken and has no love. The weakest are abused. There's a lot of violence in Selma among young people. But it's because that's all they've known. They've reduced themselves to the level of the basest individuals. And I would dare say that in Selma, we have enough money and enough food to take care of all the problems. But we have very little of the love of Christ. For people consume and they don't produce. They don't see the love of God flowing out of them. They see themselves as victims. But the reality is the most valuable thing we have is, is not monetary and it's not material. It's spiritual. Therefore, we need to pray for Selma. Selma's a city that's broken. And it's producing broken people. And it's a city that, that continues to hurt the most wonderful people, our children. We must love the unlovable. You know, Matthew 5, 43, in the middle of the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, it says, You have heard it said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. We must love the brokenhearted. We can't just simply do something for them and walk away. We need to get involved in their lives. The disastrous situation that many people find themselves in here in Selma cannot be fixed by a handout. In fact, I would submit that sometimes handouts have more to do with making us feel good than taking care of them. Because a handout relieves us from the guilt that we see in our heart for someone doing without. Yet Jesus didn't send us a handout. He came and he stayed to change us. We've got to be willing to get involved in people's lives and help them beyond the storm that is destroying them. For we are falling apart as a culture and as a country. And we need Jesus in a mighty way. 
Now, the first question I asked was, how can I have the love of God? The second question is really one that some of you may ask, why? Why must I love? Can't I just go off in a corner and live my life and enjoy myself and have all the accoutrements and blessings of life without getting involved with other people? Can I worship God and, and, and just support His mighty work and just stay out of people's lives? Well, the answer is a, ra- a resounding no. And here's why. Because Jesus is love. And love doesn't stand by and look. Love gets involved. Love sees a need and helps through that need. But helping that need begins a relationship that will go on. And we have known and believed the love of God that he hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. 1 John 4 is very plain and explicit about the importance of that. Because Jesus is love, how can we do anything but what he does? It breaks my heart when I see someone that that talks about God and they they boast in a very brave way about who God is, yet I don't see them demonstrating the love of God in their life. I think that's a reason why some people don't come to church. Because they hear a lot, but they don't see anything that amounts to a difference. And God wants us to be that kind of person. Why must I love? So I can one day be with God in heaven where I belong. You see, you can't buy a ticket to heaven. You can't simply work for it. It it doesn't work that way. You don't earn it. It's given to you. But because it's given to you, you change. You should be a different person. And you need to understand that you pass that gift along. It doesn't simply stay with you. If you become like Christ, you've got to love and give to others. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer shall have eternal life abiding in him. We have got to be people who live as our Heavenly Father lived here on earth. And then lastly, we need to do this because God first loved us. We continue to give and sacrifice because we understand that though what we do is small, with the blessings of God, it changes the world that we're in. And that's what's so important. During the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell was the Lord Protector of England. There was a soldier that had committed some crimes. He's a young man and he was foolish. But the law was strict and unkind. His execution for this soldier was set to take place at the ringing of the evening curfew bell people would gather for the execution. As they gathered and they had him on the block to execute him, the bell never rang. They considered it an act of God and therefore they released him. 
Some soldiers went to see what had happened, and they discovered that the woman that was to be wed to him, who loved him dearly and saw beyond his frailties and his immaturity, had climbed to the bell tower, wrapped her body around the clapper, and every time the bell would swing, that massive bronze bell that weighed tons, and that clapper that weighed over 150 pounds, it was surrounded by her body. It had beaten her to a pulp. She was barely alive when they pulled her off the clapper. Oliver Cromwell looked at that, and he began to weep. He said, Dear lady, whether you live till the morning or not, you have given us an image of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who wrapped himself around our sins and protected us from dying. You, above all people, are to be honored here tonight. And I think about that when I come to a place like this on the fourth Sunday of Advent, love. You can't look at the manger made of wood many times in our church without seeing a cross. They say that the manger was not made out of wood. It was probably a cave, and that makes perfect sense because Jesus' body was laid in a cave when he had died. It's not the place or the product that it's made from. It's the one who made the commitment that changes us. The love of Christ is not something you can hold in your hand or you can even describe in a thousand words. But it's something you can feel and experience. And it's something that you can share that will have a profound effect on all who touch it. And without the love of Christ, there is no Christmas. Let us pray. Precious Father, giver of all good gifts, we thank you for the blessings of life to be here. And I thank you for these who have in their faithful commitment to you are here. Lord, we know the level of risk that we take with the pandemic about. But we ask that you would bless us and protect us for worship is more important than the air we breathe. And you are our sustainer. Therefore, we're not afraid. We trust you mightily. And I pray that you would continue to bless us and change us and make us into who we need to be. And may we prepare to obey you. Lord, we're standing on the precipice of a new year. And I pray that it'll be a year of hope and help, a year of opportunity and grace, and that we will already be prepared to serve you. Father, speak to someone today that in their heart of hearts, they, they want to obey you and follow you. They want to be safe by you. And may their prayer be heard even now. For it's in your holy name we do pray. Amen.